Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I am your host, Mary Catherine Ham. I'm here with Vic Mattis of the Free Beacon. How are you doing? Hello, Mary Catherine. I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We got a lot going on at the house this week. Uh, we're trying to transition the baby to the crib. From oh, you had the baby in a bassinet. Yes. That so I do that for, for a while. Just it just makes my life I easier. Do I, I don't. I well for you, that's true because feeding and stuff. Yes. <laughs> I don't like. I don't like the idea. I could not. We tried it for like a, a couple of days. I said we got to put this back, even if it's in a bathroom. Put it in another room. I don't That's like what, it here. It's, it's too I, weird. I don't know. I, just, I have a couple of friends who feel that way too. But uh, really, this, this this has worked for me. But it does take a little. I'm 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 a tough broad, right? But it takes a little uh, getting used to 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 put the baby elsewhere. So that it's going to be a little bit of a transition oh, sure. for me. But, Is she going to be in a room with the other girls or? her own room. no they would like her to be and i said you don't really want that don't wish that upon right, yourself so she, right right she will be incredibly impractically in my home office which also uh, has a crib now so i'll just get less work done in yeah. my home office. oh right 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 well how long does the bassinet last for though i mean how long do you keep a baby in there about three months is usually the three months yes wow you're gonna so. say three weeks so now she's so now she's she's transitioning so i'll, I'll keep you guys posted on that also okay. In the fairy tale life that I lead, I got to tell you, the husband came through with with a gift this week that is just tops. So my husband uh, is a man who should give lessons to all the straight men about giving gifts. I don't know how he does it. (laughs) Oh, no. What? He he's so thoughtful and he allowed me to blow his cover about being a thoughtful person. So just. He's very tough. He has a lot of muscles, also thoughtful. And we got a a weird package in the mail the other day that looked sort of eBay-ish. And then I came to discover, and it's going to be unsatisfying for our regular uh, listeners who aren't going to see this, but this is what I came home to. This is a- Oh my goodness. 1980 commemorative University of Georgia National Championship Coke bottle. Yes. With the Coke inside. with, With a lounging hairy dog enjoying his coca-cola on the front of the bottle now the ham family has always had one of these so this has been in my life since i was born after my parents got it after the last national championship but i never had one so he found one for me oh boy two little (laughs) 2022 or 2021 Georgia Bulldogs. You know what? You're an easy gifty though. After that win, you're an easy, it's very, <laughs> anything with G you're going to like it. True, we true, have, but this is a, this is yeah. above and beyond. That above is very nice. Oh, the guy who, do you remember Mary Catherine? We had, we had to get our ceiling fixed in the, in the, in that piano room of ours because the ceiling was coming down and we were nice. talking about how horrible it would have been if it came down on you when you were pregnant. You know, when we had our like New Year's thing. So we got it done. But the the guy who did the ceiling was such a nice guy. And I can't even remember how much um, we, we we paid him for that job. He's an old fellow. Mr. Patterson was his name. But for some reason, he gave us a gift in return, even though the gift is of obviously fixing the ceiling. And it was a Coke bottle from the Georgetown National Championship 1984. Oh, how nice. Yes. Yes. That's super so- cool. See, everybody loves Vic. The people who fix his ceiling <laughs> give him people, gifts. Give me a gift that, you know, it's so I, mean, I don't my know. husband's sort of required to give me a gift. The guy who fixes your ceiling is not. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, that was that was something. And uh anyway, that, and I cherish it because that's the last one and only time. 
So that well, was you it. know, that's that. I mean, that was the that was the fate of the 1980 bottle in the ham house until. But now no. we have new ones. So it's very. Uh, What's and, been going it, on with you? Well, for me, let's see. I finally the other day finished the giant pot of chili that I made on Sunday. So well done. Uh, it, you know, I love the idea of oh, it's football and it's cold outside and the playoffs. So let's make some chili. Of course, it's like a half day operation. Yes. You know, if you really get into the chili thing and the cans of everything and then cooking it and then the, and then and then chopping up onions and then and then just the different powders and chili powders and everything going and then you're just stirring it and then you can't serve it immediately because it's all watery, you know, and then I put two bottles of beer in there, too, and then just keep <laughs> it going. And so like by the time the chili is done, it's like at night and like I missed half the games. Right. Of course. But but we finally got through it. Uh, are you a chili person? I do like chili, do although like, I do Steve like making it or no, I so I like to eat chili. I don't make it all that often. I also smother it with so much cheese and sour cream that it's like not chili anymore, probably. Oh, but, yeah, well, no, no. I do the same thing. I do okay. the same thing. So that's allowed. The ham family is a big soup family. Soup oh, all yeah. the time. You mentioned Brunswick stew. Is that right? Soup. Just there's yeah. always soup on the on the yeah. stove, and my father calls it kitchen sink soup because it's just whatever he has in the house goes into mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. goes into the soup. And I find it so comforting to have chili or soup on the stove. Oh, it's that's really it. nice. And the thing is, if you put it on a low, you just let it simmer all day, and that's fine. Yeah. You know, just, just keep an eye there. on it, stir it like they say in Goodfellas. Keep on stirring it. You know, don't let it stick. Other than that, I'm fine. Obviously, I'm here in in the basement. Uh, of my house recording because you know uh, the kids are home because yeah. uh because, you know because it's raining and right. it actually it's not raining so. it's it's raining call and for 42 degrees yes it's a good call that it was a good it was quite the prediction from our schools yeah so they closed the schools yet again in northern virginia and as my friend rory cooper points out uh who is a local politico and uh, a big advocate for open schools his kids either are or were fairfax students. Fairfax schools gave themselves a five-day weekend after a three-day weekend, after a week of snow days, after a two-week break. They yeah. are by no defini- definition open. It's quite the victory lap. It's a, it's a whole thing, Vic. By the way, I just heard also from, from uh, Rory that uh, Flint, Mis- Michigan schools are now closed for in-person le- learning for the foreseeable future. So that will be really good for all the students who have already been hurt by a year or so of this. I feel like I just heard recently somebody say that all the schools are open. Yes. You know, was it that? was the president. Oh, President okay. Joe Biden, who had a press conference yesterday. And in that pre- press conference, he did claim that 95% of schools are open. So we shouldn't worry about this. And then by the time the press conference was over, miraculously, 98% of schools oh, were Is that open. what happened? So we, it, just, yeah, it, bumped, it went up by 3%. It went up a bit. So they're succeeding right before our eyes. Now, the number of schools that are open now are in spite of, not because of, the efforts of President Biden and allies. They have That's never what I was flexed. Say. They have never flexed their muscles on this. They have never attempted to get schools back in other than to other than to say we are attempting to get schools back in there was no reference in this press conference to ongoing school closures that are going on in lots of large cities still yeah and that they remain problematic and if he had mentioned it you could exert pressure on those yeah. districts 
I was going to say, you know, when he was bragging about the schools being open, how much of that was him versus how much of that is angry parents? You know, I mean, do we have him to thank and Randy Weingarten maybe to thank for the schools being open? I mean, look, uh, if yeah. they, they count it that they gave them a lot of money, right? Oh, in the I rescue think. plan, there was a lot of money. Great. That that money is largely still yeah. sitting around. Yeah. Yeah. Was not was not needed as a condition of opening, as all of the open mm-hmm. schools showed. Yeah. They they also, at least in, in Arlington, they have this is their last day of a of a of a snow day that they're using up where they don't have to teach. And then after that, if there's any future snow days, it's going to be remote. But of course, when they come in. You know, the big question, as you know, continues to be the whole mask thing. Yeah. So, I mean, that will continue. The show, the showdown begins on the 24th. So we will keep you. Yes. Yes, that's right. And Um, as as you know, and we mentioned this in the Free Beacon recently, our uh, new illustrious intern, Ailey Strack, wrote about this, which is the uh, Facebook screen captures of public school teachers in Virginia who were complaining about the whole mask thing. And can we isolate those unmasked kids? Can we send them outside? And, and really just an absolute disdain for it's not going to be pretty. It's not those that are because, because I, you know, I mean, no kid wants to be derided and and bullied from from, uh, by a school. Yes. And yet others would argue that, that it's the kids themselves doing the bullying just sure. bringing their pestilence to school with them. Yes, the pestilence. That's right. That's I mean, that's what they're saying. So I mean, that, enough that is, is enough. how they're treated. That is how they are treated in in this in this elite mm. rife area of the country. That is how children are treated. Um, it is, so I yeah. Go ahead. Go no, please go. <laughs> go ahead. Well, I want to I want to give myself the segment. Yeah. You love to hear it. Oh which is a segment we do where we congratulate yes. a, a person or a media source for saying mm-hmm. a thing we don't usually hear from them. Yes. And here's the thing I'm going to say. Uh, good job, Joe Biden, for doing a long press conference and answering a bunch of questions. <laughs> because yes. that is what presidents should do. And I want to tip the cap, even if I think wow. the answers were largely disastrous. Yes. By, by his metrics, he really has, you know, he's really outperformed himself. As you, as you know, he went for two hours. That's what he says. Yes, he outperformed himself beyond expectations, really. It's a lot better than anyone. You know, when they, they inherited it, he inherited a nation in crisis, uh, and it's not now. So uh, what are some Look, of the I other- had, I had yeah. low expectations, and he didn't even exceed mine. <laughs> I mean, I, I have low expectations yes. for every politician. I had especially yes. low ones for Biden, but that that has not come to pass. It, you know, it's funny. It was a long press conference where he certainly didn't admit to, he didn't take any blame for anything. Nothing is ever his fault. I kept on thinking, gee, it sounds so familiar. But mm. what besides talking about schools, he addressed other things as well. Yes. OK, so on foreign policy, we have one soundbite about Russia possibly messing with Ukraine. That's oh that's a that's a technical mm-hmm. foreign policy term. And he in his answer references a minor incursion and how that maybe wouldn't gather the full ire of NATO partners. That's right. Uh, as long as it's a minor incursion versus a larger invasion, one would assume. And so I think what you're going to see is that it, Russia will be held accountable if it invades. And it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion 
incursion and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, et cetera. But if they actually do what they're capable of doing with the force amassed on the border, it is going to be a disaster for Russia if they further invade Ukraine. And you, you talked about reminding you of someone else, perhaps his predecessor. Yeah. This reminded me of his predecessor because it felt like he was gaming out foreign policy as he was standing there. <laughs> He's thinking for the out first loud. Time. Well, yes. theoretically, if like a small group of yeah. Russian soldiers yeah. came in, what what yeah. would we do then? Uh, this is obviously not a responsible mm-hmm. way to talk about that in public. Define minor incursion like like the Rhineland Valley. That's kind of minor incursion. Sudetenland, kind of minor. The, the Danzig Corridor, kind of a minor incursion. Right, right. Uh, that really was a, a problem, you know, because if you're Putin, and you hear that in the press conference, and obviously they're all everybody was watching with bated breath. Uh, that would basically give me the green light to just take over the rest of you know what they call the Donbass region uh, in Ukraine, and probably with very little consequence. Because even and as he says, you know, there's there's no agreement with NATO on sort of like what to do if they decide that they're going to uh, retaliate with sanctions. You know, by by doing what, you know, that that that, right. uh, you know, uh, saying you know, block them, block the Russians from having access to U.S. dollars through the what do you call the swift, swift international banking system. Right. Right. And then and then Putin then retaliates uh, by holding Europe hostage because they're so dependent on their gas. So well, there's it's not pretty. The, the, yeah, the reviews weren't good. Liz Liz Cheney calls this troubling, deeply troubling to hear Ukrainian leaders start tweeting immediately like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Putin is listening to you. And, you know, I am conversant in foreign policy. I am not an expert, but I do understand human nature. And this seems very, very obviously to telegraph a thing mm-hmm. that you do not want to be telegraphing. Yeah. It's funny you say you're not an expert. That's very, that's very modest of you. I joked with a, another journalist once when he said, well, I'm not an expert on arms control. I said, but you're a journalist. We're experts in everything. That's just what we do. Yeah, that's right. I'm so conversant was, uh, in the things. That's that's what I attempt to be. Yes, that's right. And 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 did you have thoughts on? Uh, he was also asked, wasn't he, about his uh, line about Bull Connor? Oh, he was. Yes. yes, he was asked about. We didn't get into this much because, frankly, I'm inured to being called a big old racist <laughs> by everyone who disagrees sure. with me. Yeah. Uh, so I can't. I, sometimes I can't even muster the energy to be upset about it at this point. But in Georgia touting his voting reform bill last week, President Joe Biden aligned his political adversaries saying if with with the worst of the old South, saying if they disagreed with this bill, then they were Bull Connors, Jefferson Davises. You campaigned and, and you ran on a return to civility. And I know that you dispute the characterization that you called folks who would oppose those voting bills um, as being Bull Connor or George Wallace, but you said that they would be sort of in the, the same camp. No, uh, I didn't say that. Look what I said. Go back and read what I said and tell me if you think I called anyone who voted on the side of the position taken by Bull Connor that they were Bull Connor. And that is an interesting reading in English. You, you, I assume you got into, into journalism because you like to write. So did you expect that that would work with Senators Manchin or, or Cinema? Um, no, here's argument? the thing. There's certain things that are so consequential 
you have to speak from your heart as well as your head. I was speaking out forcefully. Yeah. And uh, like I said, it's shocking how often we hear exactly this kind of thing. Uh, so I, I didn't talk about it as much as some other people did, but he was asked about it. And yes. he explained, you see, Vic, he didn't mean that his adversaries, it's silly that you'd be mad about it. Become. He didn't He didn't mean that they were literally transmogrified no, 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 no. into Bull Connor. What, what he meant was that they were sort of kind of like him? What, what was his yes. explanation? You're on the side of, you're, you. he didn't say that you are Bull Connor. You're on the side of Bull Connor. And that immediately reminded me of my daughter when she was like three or four in nursery school and the teacher would come out when you pick her up and they said, well, you know, there was a little incident and she pushed another student. And then I'll ask her, I said, did you push? She goes, I didn't push her. I shoved her, you know, you and go. then you can say, you know, did you, did you actually hit, uh, you hit, you hit another kid? She said, I didn't hit everyone, you know, <laughs> I mean, and she did say that by the way, <laughs> you know, and so we used to have a thing on the wall, a poster it says no hitting no punching no pushing no shoving you know just Alyssa, you can't get out of it no, but uh, and they need that for uh joe biden <laughs> uh he also talked about elections oh and election oh, right. integrity because yes. you know obviously this is big his, ad his adversaries are merely on the side of bull connor and jefferson right. davis but they do not back his election reform which is a, a federal takeover of elections which of the is federalization a, a very of, yeah. A very different thing than we have been doing up until now. And his answer about whether whether elections would be legitimate mm -hmm. in 2022 if this were not passed, it all depends on whether or not we're able to make the case to the American people that some of this is being set up to try to alter the outcome of the election, Biden said. The prospect of being illegitimate is in a direct proportion to us not being able to get these reforms passed. Biden Again. said about his own federal voting rights reform package, Veep Harris later echoed this uh, when she was asked if the 2022 elections would be legitimate by saying, let's see if we can get this passed. And it's, but it's, yeah. the, the, the bills it's, were debated it's, it's, and they didn't pass. If, so I may the, finish, the specific, if I may, if I may course, finish. But the specific question, if you don't mind, does he think now that these bills haven't been passed, that the 22 midterms won't be legitimate or fair or free? Let's not conflate issues. So what we are looking at and, and the topic of so much debate last night was that we as America cannot afford to allow this blatant erosion of our democracy and in particular the right of all Americans who are eligible to vote to have access to the ballot unfettered. At least she's on message. But it did again have echoes. Did it? Did it? Did it, Vic? Yeah, no, it must be just me. I must be thinking, wow, I could have sworn that this was this was mentioned before and everybody was up in arms about it. Yeah. How dare you question election integrity when our side wins? So 2016 yes. or 2018 or whatever it is, you know, one side, the other side loses. Nope. It's, you know, that it was stolen or 2000 for that matter. And then, of course, 2020 is the other way around. Everything is fine and you're crazy and it's very dangerous for you to question this. And here we are going into the next election. Preemptively. He's the preemptively, one, preemptively delegitimizing. He's the one. That's right. Oh. Uh, so that is that's there was somebody on CNN. I'm not going to say who, but uh, one of the other personalities had said that, you know, it was not great what Trump said, but what we, uh, but what, what Biden said was not great. It was, you know, a little bit uh, worrying, but we need to sort of get to, you know, understanding what he meant 
what mm. he meant was mm. because that's the kind of slack they would cat you know uh give oh uh, yes any republican so. no my fun my one of my favorite things about a lot of the journalism world is that if you sort of were equally skeptical slash uh disappointed by obama trump and mm-hmm. now biden yeah you're the hack Whereas, oh, right. yeah, whereas no, no. if someone just adjusts and like was in love with Obama when he did stuff, yeah. but didn't like it when Trump did and now likes it again when Biden mm-hmm. did, those are the real analysts, Vic. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's, that's But I just want to make amazing. it clear that I don't like any of them. Okay. <laughs> that's that's my consistent point of view. In fact, we had a You're blowing a, up all the bridges today. We had a we had a book that came home from the library uh with my with my kids that was about yeah. Uh, the Castro brothers, uh, Julio. Oh, uh, oh, I, I thought you meant representative. I thought you meant Fidel, Fidel yeah, no, and no. Raul. <laughs> no, not those. Not no, quite not that yet, level. Not yet. Not yet. But a book. One. A book came home. Uh-huh. It was a little children's book biography of the twins, oh. uh, the Castro brothers, who served in the U.S. Congress. And I, I apologize. I think it was Julian who ran for president with his brother as his campaign manager. Something like uh, that. Yes. At any rate. We we're reading that book and you know it's a nice story about their grandmother and how they were inspired to public mm-hmm. service and how they helped each other out sure but i had to you know pop the old bubble and tell my daughter you know politicians ain't where it's at man <laughs> in terms of like don't don't hold your breath or something to that effect. I, was, I just said yeah. i just said you know with politicians you just need to be wary of what they're telling you because Good. they want Good to people they want to let you down they want to tell you what you want to hear and also let's have a discussion about free pre-k yes. and who pays for it yeah i you know it's funny i remember when i was in vienna and uh, i've read an essay on uh, by jack kemp and of all the things that was the one that really got me going about uh, Republicans and conservatism as being something that was really interesting and good. And, and, and it, 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 it's funny how sometimes, you know, it catches you at a certain moment and say, that's, this is the future, the future, by the way, the future is enterprise zones. I don't know if you know that. So that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm making sure that the, 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 whatever, whatever lights up my kids' brains has, has balance, has yeah. balance over here. We're not just doing hagiographies ha- of, of democratic right. politicians That's in this right. house. No, no, no. Get some balance here. No, we did have a little, we had an, uh, a small discussion about free pre-K, which I think was discussed in the biography. And, and I said, let's talk about free. Oh, right. Free pre-K. What, yeah. what do you need to, what do you need to run a classroom and they went through the things and then they realized that somebody needed to be paid to teach the students. And I was like, where do you think that money comes from? The bank. Mm, but where does the bank, the bank money come from? Uh, I guess like people make that money at work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and who are those people like you and dad? Mm-hmm. So we're, we're walking right. through it. We're just doing economics lessons over here. Excellent. Because as you know, nothing's ever free. It's an, it's an important lesson. Yeah. I have found, you know, I, and, and it, by the way, on a, on a tangent, I, you know, I always find there are times where I feel like I can prove that, you know, there is such thing as a free lunch. And from time to time there is, as you know, if it's free for anyone, it's going to, yeah, it's going to be for for me. That's true. But every now and then I'll be having this wonderful, lovely, pleasant lunch with somebody. Maybe I haven't seen in a while. And then like, Oh, this is great. You know, and the person's tree, my treat, you know, and then at right, like five minutes before the, 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 the meal ends. So 
There's an ask. I, yeah. There's, oh, an ask. No, there's an ask. You know, I was so I've been thinking about this. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I was thinking, what if and, you know, some sort of a pitch about something. And I'm like, you. oh, come on, man. You well, know, I, just, I, I enjoyed it right up to dessert. So I will never do that to you because as you know, I have no ambitions after one <laughs> that's, or two that's, martinis. So. That's, no, that's what I, you know, I just need to spend most of my time with people that have, you know, sort of a lack yeah, of, ambition. I have stopped making plans after that yeah. first martini. Yeah. Yeah, no... yeah. 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 The only ambition is another martini. Exactly. Let's talk about COVID. Oh, Hey, we got yes. the good, the good, the bad and the ugly and a little bit of stupid. Okay. So the good is in London, we have the announcement from Boris Johnson Face masks will no longer be mandatory in public places and schools in England and COVID-19 passports will be dropped for large events as infections level off in large parts of the country. The government will no longer mandate the wearing of face masks anywhere. We will continue to suggest the use of face coverings in enclosed or crowded spaces, particularly when you come into contact with people you don't normally meet, but we will trust the judgment of the British people. Johnson told lawmakers the restrictions were being eased because government scientists believed it was likely the surge of infections prompted by the highly contagious Omicron variant has now peaked nationally. The best thing that ever happened was his getting caught having parties in 2020, right? Because, but, the, yes. But why doesn't this work for us? We catch all our politicians know, and they don't I revoke know, anything. Don't yeah, no, it, 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 that's true. That's true. So uh, in case listeners are wondering, uh, this is a story about Boris Johnson and his staff were having parties down in Downing Street, I believe. And this was in 2020 during the height of the lockdowns. And so, you know, I mean, it was really, really strict, right? Where you, yes, you, know, they're you, you couldn't sit on park, you could not sit on park benches outside. Right. Because it's dangerous. And loved ones whose, whose families, uh, you know, family whose loved ones are on deathbeds and you couldn't see them in person. And while this is happening and while this is in effect, Boris Johnson and the staff were having boozy parties. And he always claimed, oh, I thought it was a work function. I don't know, which is that's what I say. That's I can't I can't believe he st- he took my line. He stole my line. But then the hypocrisy is exposed and people say, well, again, they had had it with, you know, rules for thee, but not for me. And I like to think that this is one of those things. Yes, the government scientists have concluded this. Great. But in addition to it, I think there was this added pressure from the hypocrisy that was exposed. And why doesn't it happen here? It should. Right. And and there's growing political pressure there as here to sort of find a way to to the to the off ramp, the off ramp. Um, But by the way, I would note that even though England's uh, lockdowns were very strict, uh, their children were in school and unmasked especially the young ones, the young ones, especially. Well, it must uh, so, be different. It must be different over there. It's you can't compare with there and here. It's much, it's much different here with the virus. And, you know, the speaking of the off ramp really quickly, I saw yesterday a DC restaurant has already been fined a thousand dollars for not checking people's vac status, which you're supposed to do. So you can see in the district, I mean, this is these, like to go to that restaurant <laughs> so yeah, just to support it. Yeah, absolutely. These, these, these restaurants, I mean, these inspectors, uh, are going to make a mint for for the city government. So they have the, the incentive to go to restaurants to look to bust people and bust restaurants. I mean, why why stop that? Why stop? Oh that? no, this this is gonna this is red light camera bonanza. Yeah, that terrible. red light camera bonanza. This is like Muriel Bowser's twenty is plenty plan where she wanted the speed limit to be twenty miles an hour or installing uh, cam speed cameras ostensibly because you had to protect people from who are crossing the street and they put the camera in the tunnel. Yeah. on K Street because there were so many people crossing the K Street tunnel. <laughs> you, get, you have so many pedestrians in the yeah, tunnel. Yeah, so I like, many. and then once you get in, you climb up the wall. So you know, 
anyway. no, it's gonna it's gonna cost a bunch of people a lot of money and a bunch a bunch of restaurants that don't have that money because they have far less revenue than they used to have because of all of this. Mm-hmm. That's it's right. That's right. And idea. Omicron, and you had other news as well about the Omicron. Data. Oh, this is the bad news. Are you ready for this? Now, I I genuinely hope that we are coming off of our peak just as Britain has. Should. However, uh, and this is from people I trust as well, not just people who are, there, there are people who are hysterics about this. And then there are people who are actually being cool with the data and uh look i'm i'm not a data specialist but i some of my best friends are data specialists yeah <laughs> and i like to yeah sure. i like to listen to them and some of the people i trust are worried about our wave and whether mm-hmm. it will last longer and why for instance it's lasting longer and hospitalizing more people than they expected so a usa today story to to temper to temper our good news omicron not that mild this is a projection projection 50,000 to 300,000 more U.S. deaths projected by March. What do we think of that? Now, models have been wrong and sometimes notoriously wrong. That's right. Well, there's that aspect. And then the other question is, of course, not to sound like a conspiracy nut on our our anti-vax show but the question is of course you know how many how many people are dying with covid or because versus because of covid and i don't know the well and our friend angelique koetzi of oh yes dr koetzi yes, yes. continues to say pay attention to your hospitalizations and your icu numbers not to case numbers however some people make the argument and i'm totally willing to consider this mm-hmm. and listen to this that it's just a math problem because if you have this many infections, the number of complications yeah. is of course yeah, going, going to go, to go up, up. And then you, yeah, sure. and then you run into more deaths and then you run that's into right. more, uh, that's right. more overloading. Well, that's not, well, that is not good. That is not good news. Uh, I, uh, again, I can't remember if I mentioned it on our last show. I know a doctor at our nearby hospital who says, yes, there are more patients in that hospital. The vast, vast majority of them who are there because of COVID are unvaccinated. So yeah. get vaxxed, you'll have mild symptoms. Um, and I wonder too, again, I, I pay attention to these things uh, and, and to the, the data guys who analyze this. And I think perhaps part of our issue is that Delta, Delta wave wasn't quite over when Omicron wave got here. Sure, there was an overlap. So it, it doubles up a bit. So yes, keep yourself as safe as possible. Although because- I, did, I did hear right before we taped uh, that there is some good news in the sense that people who had Delta and obviously recovered from it, are much better off at fighting a, uh, the, the, the coronavirus. And that that is more effective than the vaccine. And this is from the Wall Street Journal. So in oh, case anyone's good. wondering where I'm pulling that from. Good to hear. And so that's the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'm going to add a little stupid at the end. Los Angeles Charter School quarantines unvaccinated students, bars them from campus. So this is a charter school in Los Angeles, New West Charter School. It had a, it implemented a vaccine mandate in October, gave students till to z- December to get back. Six of their students did not, and then staged a sit-in at the school. They were outside the school on a sidewalk on video, blocked off with tape one, to, keep, yeah. Great. to keep the riffraff mm-hmm. inside their pen. Uh, and one of the students on video claims that she has to use the bathroom and was not allowed to. The school oh. spokesperson has said nobody asked us to use the bathroom. Hello, my name is Ellen Ahum, and I'm a student at New West Charter School. And I'm here with 
five other girls. Um, four of them are freshmen, one is a junior, I'm a sophomore. And we're being uh, threatened to be suspended because we don't have the COVID-19 vaccine. And we're being um, refused of the right to attend school. We feel segregated and discriminated. And we're being closed off by this caution tape-like thing. We're being segregated from the rest of the school. Um, yeah. This is ridiculous. It's ridiculous, but sadly not surprising. There's, it, it, yeah. Jonathan, Jonathan Chait wrote for New York Mag the other day and, and called the policies that we apply to children often transparently irrational. And I think that is a good yeah. description. That's because right. Because making, taping the children off, taping the teenagers off and mm-hmm. making them sit outside mm-hmm. instead of getting an education mm-hmm. when they are at low risk to themselves and others. Yeah is not wise. Even the FDA scientists, the whole board that approved Mm -hmm. the vaccine for young people Mm -hmm. had a six to eight hour long discussion about the costs and benefits of this to children. That does not mean that getting your children vaxxed is bad or that I'm saying don't do it. It just means that there's a cost benefit analysis for children that is different than adults because they are less affected by the actual disease. Right. And the scientists in this approval board yeah. said hey we're worried if we approve this people will start mandating it for children and we don't think that's appropriate we think that their parents should make that decision guess Sorry. what <laughs> i know so i mean uh, two things here uh one is so these are teachers who i assume are vaxxed and boosted but they don't want to get it right even though they're vaxxed and boosted because they think they're going to get it and the assumption of course is that if you're unvaccinated then you are not only do you have it but you're actively infectious and spreading it like you, if you don't have the vaccine, you must have it. That's the strange sort of assumption that is always put into play here is that, oh, unvaccinated must have it. And they're spreading it right now, even if they are asymptomatic. Well, and it's just, again, the, to me, the parochialism, the parochialism of all these school leaders who can't look outside the confines of their own city or their own country to see if someone else has successfully run school without oh, yeah. mask or vaccine man it's, it happens all the time and it should happen all the time because it's better for students to be there they clearly have to know and just choose not to want to know that there are schools where kids have been going in when everybody else was remote and kids were and and schools where there are kids without masks and everybody yes. they're not dropping like flies no it's not that's not a thing but the good news is we now have a testing supply you can go order your test. Oh, yes, exactly. At USPS, because the Postal Service is definitely on whom you want to rely for this. It's very easy and free of charge. It's free um, of charge. Very easy to order. So the Biden administration bought up a bunch of tests. and Now they're distributing them to us free. If you put in your address, yeah. they will come to your house. Okay. There's a problem. What? They got the website launched a day early. However, when you put in your address... Only one set of tests or one test can go to each street address. So this is a problem if you live in an apartment building. Because only the first person who applies from that street address can get a test. Is there no slot like underneath where it says like insert your like your unit apartment number so you can put in how sometimes there's two lines for that? Or is it it just reading the street address? 
okay, because if, if that's really the case, that's really bad. And whoever is the first person, I always assume this person in unit 1A, but it could be anybody in the, yes. you know, in, in, in the building. If they if one person ends up becoming the point person and whoever the first one is and they get all those tests, then they have to figure out a way to, you know, equitably distribute it like to the highest bidder. Yeah, no, like it's that. yeah. It's or wrestle. They can have tenants is, wrestle each other. Just classic government idiocy. Yeah. yeah we we'll we bought up a bunch of tests that mm-hmm. otherwise would have been available mm-hmm. in the free market. Mm-hmm. We're distributing them, but not very well. And then we made this sort of obvious boneheaded mistake, which mm-hmm. will then mean that you won't get your test for another three weeks until probably this wave is over. By the way, the, the delivery time is some two to three weeks for these tests. Okay. Well then don't don't go out until you get tested. Just stay home. <laughs> your basement i done lost track of what i'm doing next because now i'm annoyed um oh um oh scotus uh this is this is all i this is an interesting one this is all i thought i was going to be riled up about yesterday and then it turned out nope a lot of other things overtook it but this is this is a fairly big one especially in the media world nina totenberg of npr yeah long time reported earlier this week that Neil Gorsuch was not wearing a mask at the Supreme Court and that this had caused a problem for Sotomayor who has underlying health issues. They're all vaxxed and I think boosted as well. Mm-hmm. This caused a problem for Sotomayor who had wanted to be in person but was relegated to zooming into oral arguments and that Chief Justice John Roberts had asked the justices in some form, quote, in some form to mask up and Gorsuch had refused. This is this is the this is the shape of the story. Yes. Within 24 hours, Shannon Bream of Fox News, who's a, a Supreme Court and legal reporter and great anchor, had Lovely. a well-placed source that she said was like, "Nah, this this is not how this went down." Nina Thunberg's covered the court for a long time. Uh, how did she get this so wrong, Shannon? You know, you have to wonder, because listen, we've all gotten something wrong from a source. We have all at some point been burned by somebody that maybe had their own motive or didn't get it to us exactly right. So uh, listen, I I think that's entirely possible in this story. Somebody within the court leaked a clerk or somebody, which is exceptionally rare. I have no idea who it would have been, but she may have simply been given bad information about this. Um, What I do know is that these justices work really hard to maintain their friendships, Mm -hmm. to be collegial outside of what they are fighting about on the basis of the law and about a particular case. So it's very important to them personally and publicly to project that the court is one of harmony. They're going to disagree on things, but they are actually friends. They eat lunch together a lot of days. Uh, and they, and there's just a lot of interaction that is um, Shana, you know, true friendship. Is, yeah. uh, aside from that. Then the two justices in question, Sotomayor and Gorsuch, allegedly fighting over masks, saying, no, uh, it was a surprise to us. This, is, this was reported. It is false. We disagree on the law, but we have a warm friendship. Yes. So this is uh, it's interesting. Uh, our court reporter, legal correspondent, Kevin Daly, mentioned this because it is actually highly unusual for justices to, by name, speak out about something in the press. Usually they go to their public relations office and they issue some statement, a general statement. But in this case, it was Sotomayor and Neil Gorsuch and John Roberts. And then John say, Roberts yes. comes in because people they said, in. so the, the journos, the journo community was looking very closely at this statement and saying there must be something they're hiding. Maybe it's the John Roberts part of this that is still clouded. <laughs> and then John Roberts came out 
with a statement says, saying, no. I didn't ask anybody to do this. That's right. And not only did they uh, mention that, that it did not happen that way, but uh, also th- that sort of not only a collegiality, but a friendship. Yes. And that makes people crazy, but that's the way it has always supposed to have been on the Supreme Court. You think about Brett Kavanaugh and Elena Kagan, you right. know, um, they're friends. They've known each other for a very long time. It was when Elena Kagan was at Harvard Law that she wanted a, a room for strict constructionist types of uh, professors, just a, a small number of them. But uh, she hired him. And, and, and so they're together. And of course, Antony and Scalia and uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who were very good friends. And, you know, I spoke to Scalia. A handful of times, including a dinner once at the old Epic Grill. That was a free lunch, by the way, a free meal. That, um, free. that was a free meal. And and he loved talking about Ruthie. Disagreed no, with I, her I think on everything, the, but still. I think the friendship of, of Scalia and Ginsburg is one of the more beautiful things in public life. Right. And it I drives people crazy. It drives people crazy. And the only I, I think I think I think Ginsburg loses out in that story because people are disappointed in her. No, it's so silly. It's such a it's such a beautiful thing that they that they loved each other very much. They, they, uh, they, and their spouses, they would vacation together. Yes, it's a great <laughs> reflection of how beautiful American life can be, and that two can sides be. can come together. Yes, um, even if they don't agree on things. Yeah, I like the collegiality of the Supreme Court. I think it's one of the reasons the Supreme Court is one of the few public institutions that hasn't just like fallen off the trust cliff. Over yeah. the past two decades, it's lost some as we all, you know, wrangle more and more about each justice, but it is still a place that a lot of people put trust in. And this to me just feels like a obnoxious attempt to drag them into our stupid of course, cultural debates. They're going to be part of our cultural debates legally. Right. And that's where that yeah. should happen. Yeah, but it's not they enough. They don't though. need to have a stupid mask fight in front of all of us. And That's to right. me, the three justices coming out to say that and deny this indicates that they are not interested in fighting those fights there, which I'm glad about. Yes. I think that is better for us. Yes. And it would be better Agreed. for us also if a bunch of journalists would just take their answer at face value instead of assuming that the one anonymous source that Nina Totenberg had was the right one. By the way, and NPR mo- stands by the story. Stands by I the noticed story. that. I noticed that. Well, I guess, what, are you, what else are you going to do? What does that, wrong? What does Admit that, that you're wrong? No, you can't say that. No, well, what does that mean, though? If you stand by the story that that all three of them are lying? Yes. <laughs> stand by your okay. story. That means that it's us versus them. Who are you going to believe? The Supreme Court justices were like, let's go on the record yeah. for the rare time that we do to just tell a big old fat lie. Mm-hmm. That's right. I don't know. Well, if you had a choice, I public radio. I'm sorry. <sighs> Defund them. <laughs> yeah, there you go. No, it, it doesn't. That, do that, that happens good. after November, but go ahead. <laughs> it doesn't do us any good for yeah. to make stuff up like this and to yeah. drag no. people into dumb cultural fights who who shouldn't be there. Yeah. And we should recognize that 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 wasn't a real thing. All right. Well, we've done the uh, the the degradation of American culture and whatnot. <laughs> yes. Now let's bring it back up with something oh. that always brings back up American culture. The, the Super Bowl halftime show. Okay. Are you ready? Now, again, this is they, they're not moving it. They're not moving it to Texas. It's staying in L.A. Staying in L.A. And here is the lineup. Uh, there's a trailer out. Eminem. I'm so scared. Oh. Eminem. Kendrick Lamar. Mary J. Blige. Dr. J. Dr. Dre. Excuse me. Dr. Dre. <laughs> Dr. And uh, Snoop. Wow. Yes. That's amazing. The only person that I don't know is Kendrick Lamar. Well, he's a he's the I don't only... know who these people are. 
He's the Bill, only I thought Billy Eilish was a man. I, Billy. Oh no. I don't follow. I don't listen. I I think I st- I stopped listening to music. I think after Octung Baby. So that was it. I'm in a loop since then. I go from about the 60s to the 90s. Well, so I'm just over 40. And this this hits like the Uh, the late high school, early college sweet spot for for people my age. It'll be okay. It's going to be good. Kendrick Lamar is the only more modern. That's for the kids, I guess. Yes, I guess it's for the kids. Uh, um, Snoop is for the olds. Kendrick is for the the kids. There is a, you know, by the way, uh, speaking of music at the, if you watch uh, the, the latest Spider-Man movie, uh, No Way Home, the, right. uh, the, the movie ends and it's just a fantastic song that uses uh, from and it, but it's so old school that Kate and I were sitting there getting into it in the theater and it's the magic number three is the magic number, right? The magic oh. number bomb, De La Soul. Yes. But you cannot find that anywhere. Yeah, you yeah, cannot that's, that's... go to Spotify or on, uh, you cannot get it on iTunes. And the reason was because uh, it, they, they went sample crazy. They lost sold it with that song. And yeah. so there's all this legal wrangling over it. So you can't, you can get it on, you can, somebody has it on YouTube, but outside of YouTube, you cannot get it. So I'm very, well, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to this show. Wonderful. And I, I don't always look forward to the halftime show. I no, feel like, it's, I, you know, I feel like with, it's often underwhelming. The last um, one I remember uh, was with JLo and it was like she had just done Hustlers so it was yes. just the, the dance pole thing and I'm with my in-laws and it was kind of awkward and she's wearing that thing and you know down there with it I was like crazy. slow clap 50 year old JLo I, I was impressed because I said well the one thing is we know for sure is she's got a great core great core <laughs> same with uh, same with Shakira yeah. of both of them oh yeah that's uh, right she was the other one she was the other one thank you for reminding me. <laughs> but I'm I'm looking forward to this my my first ever album was from my father bought it for me. And that was Thriller in 1984. But the first cassette <laughs> tapes that I yeah. bought myself. Oh, that you bought yourself. That I bought myself with uh-huh. babysitting money were, get ready for this. My parents are going to be like, what happened here? The Chronic and Snoop's first solo album. <laughs> you're so, you're so cool. That was, that was, I'm not even going to talk about mine. And then I took them I to a uh-huh. seventh grade boy girl party and we played them on the boombox, and one of them got stolen. It, it was hot. It was good music. It was good yeah. music. It was good the music. Chronic I, was have, gone. I had to rebuy. I had to, I had to rebuy it later slash maybe burn it. I can't remember which one I did. I, I'm going to think about this, the, the cassette tape. I have uh, the Beastie Boys license to L on cassette, but I was big. I was a real nerd as music, musically and otherwise. And I had a lot of classical music growing up. So oh, I want to get into that. Okay. I have one quick call out. Thank you to Texas listener, Texas Tweedy, who says that he does think the faithful listeners should be called the 101. Oh, I love it. The we 101. Can, you know, we can do a marketing tie-in with uh, Wild Turkey 101. That would be great. Ooh. You know, you yeah. see that? There we go. And that wraps up another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tell your friends, please. And you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I'm Mary Catherine Ham at MK Hammer on Twitter at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. Or you can find uh, my husband's and my invention at kidfins.com, K-I-D-F-I-N-S.com. Check it out. Order one. And we'll be back in the studio when our kids are back in school. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>